Well, today we continue this series of messages that we've entitled, uh, Why Church? And really we're asking the question, why in this time of a great decline for the church across America, why would anybody give their time, their energy, uh, their commitment, uh, even their money to something uh, like the church? Not to approach this like a consumer, because I think uh, consumerism is, has really taken over so much of what we look for when we are searching for a church, but really the question we are asking in some ways is what benefits do we derive from being part of a church? And I think that's a legitimate question. You know, what's so good about being part of a church? Why give our time to it? Um, And I think in the midst of exploring all these questions, I hope to uh, kind of tell you, explain to you the vision that we have for our church for this next year and for the coming years. And, you know, once again, just like last week, I will admit my bias. I love the church. And on days like this particularly, you know, I love it. And I think it's worth every ounce of energy we give to it because when a church, and this is my prayer for our church, is when a church is living out the vision that God has for it, there aren't too many things better, honestly. When people are loving each other as Christ has loved them, when people are using their gifts and growing in their faith and deepening their walk with God, when people are stepping out in faith and growing and risking, wow, when a church is making a difference in the community and being salt and light that Christ told us we are. There's not many, many, many things worth giving your time to more than the church. Last time we looked at worship, last week we looked at worship and how the church uniquely provides a place for us to worship God, to um, do what we've been really created to do, It is a church that provides a place where we can learn in our understanding and experience of what it means to be in relationship, transforming, life-transforming relationship with God. And today we will take a look at how the church offers us, and uniquely offers us, a place to belong. And so I'm going to read... uh, from Romans 12. I'm going to read the first two verses from last week that we took a look at and then the following six verses and tie them all together. So again, here it is. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, your whole selves, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Another translation is, this is your reasonable worship. It makes sense that in view of what God has done for you, that this is what you do in response. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now he goes, this is really about your relationship with God, those first two verses. Now 
he moves into what the church looks like immediately. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Boy, that's good advice, isn't it? (laughs) In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us, to each of us. If your gift gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. God, we pray that you would take these words of Scripture and the meditations of my heart, and we pray that you would speak a very clear word to us about our lives and what it means to um, worship you and to present our whole selves as living sacrifices. So God, speak. May our ears and our hearts and our minds be open. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I want to give you this morning a glimpse into the life of a preacher. You know, when you begin preparing a sermon, it just kind of dominates your life. And people often ask me, uh, how many hours a week do you work? And I say, and Don would probably agree, when you're preaching, you are working every minute you're awake. That week. Because you're constantly thinking about what you're going to say on Sunday. And the terrible thing is, you know, you're done Sunday, and then Monday, well, even before Monday, Sunday afternoon, you start thinking about the next week. Some preachers call it the inevitable uh, day of rest, the Sabbath that's coming, which isn't really a Sabbath for us. You're constantly on the lookout for illustrations, for stories, for information, uh, articles leading up to the Sunday you are to preach. You know, I once had a class in seminary, a preaching class, and each week we had to come to class with 20 slices of life that we had observed during the week that could be used in a sermon. It was a great way to train us. These slices of life or either uh, slices, pictures of life from our experience or stories that we heard on the news or something we read from an article or something we saw in a movie. Do you kind of see how you're working 24 hours a day? Something that you could use uh, to help a sermon come alive. And what they were trying to do is training us to be astute observers of life. Well, for today's sermon, really, it was amazing to me how the discussion for the need of belonging is so present in our society today. Wow, everywhere I looked or heard or watched, it seemed there was something about our need for connecting in meaningful ways. And this need, which has always been present in America 
from our birth as a nation, we are independent people. So there's always been this need for connection and belonging. And obviously, we're still experiencing the effect of the pandemic, which just exacerbated uh, this need and this, this sense of isolation that so many Americans are experiencing today. And much of the, the discussion centers around loneliness that is so pervasive in our society today. I read articles, and here's what's interesting. I read articles about how the youth and college students and young adults are the loneliest generation ever. And then I would read about or hear a, a segment on NPR about how lonely men are, that they're the loneliest people. And then I would hear another thing about how older people, because we're living so long, sometimes we end our lives and all our friends have died. And how lonely older people are in our uh, society today. Well, I was particularly struck by the loneliness of men. There's a new book out that NPR highlight, highlighted and how so many men can't even name a best friend. And that the suicide among men is, is way higher than any other group in the United States and they think it's because so many people, so many men are lonely. And then, you know, of course, a result of this loneliness is an increase in depression and anxiety and despair and suicide. And none of this surprises me. It doesn't surprise me at all because I've been preaching for 40 years. <laughs> that we are made for relationship. We are wired, hardwired, to connect with other people and to belong. And I want to explore what belonging actually means today because it's more than just being around people. You know, you can be around people all day and not really belong. And so it doesn't surprise me that if we're missing this in our lives, wow, we will not experience the abundant life that Christ came to give us. Jesus made this so clear. You know, a lawyer came up to him one time and said, Jesus, where, where can I find abundant life? Life that's full, that's meaningful. Jesus didn't hesitate. He didn't say, oh, you'll find it in material possessions and a beautiful house and, a, and um, letters before or after your name or prestige or success or power or financial security or all the other things that so many of us and so many in our culture spend so much time and so much energy pursuing, right? No, Jesus made it very simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your strength and soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. Really clear. Really simple. Life is about relationship. Relationship with God and with other people. And we are called to live in relationships that are deep and sacrificial. 
like Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. This was one of the last things he said to his disciples. I'm thinking it was very important. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you. Friends, if you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this. As we look at Romans and we think about God's will for our lives, right smack at the center of God's will for your life is that you have people, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, who will love you, who will stand with you through all of life, be there for you, and that you will love them in the same way. In other words, God wants us to belong. And we definitely hear that in our scripture for today. You know, this is a great passage. Let me review just a little bit from last week, because it all ties together. First 11 chapters of Roman, Paul writes about the amazing grace, the incredible love of God, that God has saved us and redeemed us and is making us new people, not just once, but this is a continuous thing that God does in our lives, not because of anything that we have done, but because of God's great mercy in what God has done for us. God has treated us with abundant mercy, grace, and love. And now in these verses, this is a hinge verse, he says, in light of the first 11 chapters of Romans, here's what your response to God's grace and mercy should be. Give your entire lives to God. Live your life as a sacrificial uh, life, an offering. Make your whole lives an act of worship. Take your everyday walking around lives and the best you can, give them to God. Your relationships, your job, the way you treat people, the way you serve, give them to God as a response to God's love to you. And this is how we love God. By doing exactly this. This is the vertical relationship. Our relationship with God. Loving the, the Lord our God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then Paul says, as we do that, we will discover God's perfect will for our, good and perfect will for our lives. And then surprisingly, I think, he launches into what is a huge part of God's will for us. Be part of a group of people who are doing the same thing that you're doing. Have shared values, same life, same experience. Live out your relationship, this new relationship with your God with God's people, the church. Now, you know, I, I got to say, there's an interesting point here. God's will for your life is to have a relationship with him, but that's not all. It's not just this private thing between you and God. Never was designed that way. Your work, walk with God is personal. Each one of our journeys is unique, and it's personal, and we all have a unique story, but it's never private. God calls us to a shared life immediately. A life with others. This is what Jesus meant when he said, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
And then Paul uses this metaphor of the human body to describe these relationships within the church. It's this great metaphor, and I'm sure many of you have heard it before. Great metaphor because we all understand it. We all understand how our body works. He says the human body has many parts, and all these parts work together, each part with a specific function. And each part is indispensable. Each part is important. And we are gifted in some way to give to the church to contribute. It's part of God's grace to us. And then he says this. He says, for just as many of us, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, the church, though many, have one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. There is an independence in our human bodies, right? The heart needs the lungs. The lungs need the heart. Both need the brain, and the brain need both, right? And we could look throughout the whole human body to see how that works. Except one time I preached on this, and a doctor in our congregation said, Steve, there's, we can't find any use for the spleen. <laughs> so if your gift is being a spleen, we've got to have a talk. <laughs> but do you see what this is? It's an interdependence. We give and we receive. And Paul says when we do that, this is the pattern. We give and we receive. We belong to each other. It's a beautiful picture of belonging. And God's plan is for us to have a place in the church. And God's will, he's designed us that we need each other. Isn't that interesting? You know, it's interesting to me that in Genesis, right at the beginning when God created uh, all there is, and God created man. God said to Adam, he said, you know what? I'm not done yet. You need a companion. You know what that says to me? God is not enough. I, I, and I have to talk to Don about this theologically. <laughs> but it's not just us and God. God said, you know, i got to create a companion for you. And, you know, this was before the fall. Everything was perfect. Relationship with God, perfect. And God said, you know, you need, you need a companion. Now, Paul says, we're, when we become a Christian, we are part of the church. We're part of this body. But he also urges us to engage, to use our gifts, to receive, to give, to love. If you have the gift of teaching, teach. If you have the gift of serving, serve. If you have the gift of generosity, give generously. Let me repeat that since we're in stewardship season. <laughs> now use your gift. He's saying, engage. You know, you can be a part of a church forever and not belong, unfortunately. You're a member. You're part of it. 
that you may not belong because you're not engaged. Belonging is something more. And you know, I, I think that belonging to a church, and this is where we're looking at why church, we can experience a sense of belonging in the church where we can't experience anywhere else. And this is why. It goes back to verse 1 and 2. We've all had this shared experience of God's grace and understanding that we are loved uh, unconditionally. Not because of anything that we've done or that we haven't done, but just because God loves us that way. That's an amazing experience. And we're to love with that love, as Jesus said. That's really different than perhaps a Kiwanis club. And the Spirit of God is working in our midst to unify and to bring us closer together. Remember that old song, we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord? Well, that's what it means. There's this fellowship that the New Testament calls koinonia, which is different than any other uh, fellowship. Because God is in the midst. We belong to God. We belong to each other. But we have to do our part. And quickly, I want to highlight four ways that we, that we need to do to, be, to belong in the church and um, to use the gifts that we have. First is be intentional and committed. You know, every article I read this week and the last couple of weeks has said the same thing. In maybe in different words, but this is it. We must be intentional about our relationships today. We have to make space because we have no margins, most of us. Very busy lives, and busyness doesn't accommodate community. You know, after 20 years of living away from the Bay Area, when I moved back a few years ago, wow, I thought things have sped up since I left here 20 years ago. More people moving faster, trying to make a living to afford the house and all of the other things that we want. Man, to belong, we have to make relationships a priority. You know, every year on January 1st, you know what I do? I, I look at my list. In fact, I do this more than once a year, but every first of the year, I definitely do this. On my to-do list, the pages of my to-do list, at the end, I have a list of people. And these are my 2 a.m. friends. Those people I can call at 2 o'clock in the morning. Those people I can call to pick me up after a colonoscopy. <laughs> you know those kind of friends? And I'm intentional about, wow, am I keeping in, in touch with these people? Because a lot of my friends are you know, all over the place. Have I emailed them lately? Have I called them? Have I been intentional about this? So the first thing is be intentional, be committed, make time. Second thing, know who you are. I think Paul's uh, verse, you know, be in sober judgment about yourself. Know who you are, your strengths and your weaknesses. Such good advice. And to be part of a community, to belong, you have to know who you are and be who you are. You know, Brene Brown is a best-selling author and I think 
a sociologist, teaches in Texas. That woman's making a lot of money on books. She's hitting a nerve. And you know what she says? She says, you know, there's a difference between fitting in and belonging. Fitting in is based in fear. And we change so that we fit in. We change who we are. In other words, we present a false self. Belonging is when we bring our true selves and we know who we are, sober judgment, our good points and our bad points. And we belong when we know we are loved for who we truly are, our authentic selves. We are known and we know. We accept ourselves and we accept others for who they are. You know, that takes courage. It takes vulnerability, and this is one of the things that uh, Brene Brown writes about a lot, is to connect. We have to be vulnerable. We have to take that little step out and, and reveal a part of ourselves that maybe we're f- afraid to reveal because we're afraid of being rejected. You know, I asked my small group, we had a dinner this last week, my life group, We wanted to get together because we hadn't met for a number of months, and so we had dinner, and I said, you guys got to help me write my sermon this week. And so I asked them, what does it mean to belong? And we all noticed that, you know, our group, which has been together for two years now, and we're beginning to really experience belonging, we noticed that, uh, at least I noticed, and I think others would agree, there's certain stages when people were vulnerable in that group. And we could tell that they stepped out to a scary place to admit a fear or insecurity or, or a problem or something. Those are the places where our community, our belonging, our sense of belonging took step forward. Because we're getting down to really loving each other for who we are. The last thing I would say is uh, to really belong, we must carry each other's burdens. Life can be overwhelming. And on today like this, we know that to be true, don't we? That we don't know what's around the corner. And Paul writes in Galatians, carry one another's burdens. That's all of us. Not just pastors or professional Christians, not just therapists, not just deacons. All of us in the body of Christ are to bear one another's burdens. It's a mandate for us. Man, what a profound experience it is to walk with another person through the valleys, the dark valleys, the shadow of death in life. Sometimes carrying another person's burden is having faith for that person when they don't. Because sometimes in the midst of pain and hurt, We get so beat down, so discouraged, we lack faith, and we can no longer see possibilities for our lives. We need each other to give us hope. Not an easy thing to do. You know, as I was thinking about this today, I thought, boy, Judy Wright has a burden. No doubt. But I also have no doubt that because Bob and Judy have lived this life that we're talking about here, they've given and they've received in huge ways. She's not going to walk this by herself, is she? She's going to be surrounded by love. 
She will be held up. She will have others carrying her burden. And you know what? Sometimes I look at the church and I think the church is at its best in times like this. Where we can step forward and carry one another's burdens. I often say church life consists of inhaling and exhaling. Sometimes we exhale, which is giving, and we'll give and give and give. Sometimes we come to church, we just need to inhale. We need to receive, receive, receive. The best is to have the balance, but, you know, sometimes we can't exhale. And that's when the body of Christ just comes around and carries us and loves us and walks with us. I'll briefly say that our vision this coming year is I would really love to see our congregational care ministries uh, expanded and built up. I want to have a task force to look at how do we care for each other in our church and how can all of us use our gifts to minister to those who have lost a loved one or who are going through hard time or especially those who are homebound, who can no longer uh, attend worship in person. Thank God for the online service. You know, it is really ministering to people. But here's my goal. My goal is that no one will ever be alone. What saddens me so much is to see someone who has given so much to the church in every way for so many years all of a sudden, not be able to come to worship anymore and, you know, is forgotten and dies alone. I think back to Julie McDonald, and I've mentioned this before, but when I interviewed her and had her share her statement of, or her journey, her spiritual journey, she said, you know, my dream for our church is that we would be a church who would die well together. In other words, that we would do that well, that last part of our lives. Man, that's my dream. I don't know any church that really has a ministry for that, but I hope we can do that. I hope that we can have a grief group for widows. We have a lot of widows walking around here. <laughs> and we're going to have more. I don't want them walking that journey alone. I want them there to be a grief group where they can share with each other the journey of what it means to be a widow or a widower or any other kind of care group. These are the things that we want to look at and, of course, continue with our life groups and uh, our groups for children and youth. But especially... This idea of no one is forgotten. I'll close with this illustration. You know, I started a men's group in a church in Burlingame 20 years, 25, 26 years ago. Still going. And, you know, I left and I became pastor in Chico and they invited me back to the men's retreat. And it was this group. And by that time they had been together for 15 groups, much like the men's group we have here on Sunday mornings or Saturday mornings. And we shared about all that had happened in the 15 years that I had been gone. And oh my gosh. What they had experienced together. The joys and the pains. The hurt and the victories. 
amazing how much life was shared and how much they supported each other. And then it got down to the, the oldest member of the group. And he said, you know, I'm in my last days. I know I am. I'm in the last chapter of life and probably towards the last few pages of the last chapter. <laughs> and he said, what this group has meant to me for 20 years has been a source of encouragement and support and love, of belonging. And as I face death, I have no fears. Because I know the men that I have walked with all these years who have carried my burdens will carry this final burden and they will help me transition into eternal life. That's the hope. That's the body of Christ. That's what it means to belong. Amen. God, we pray that you would help us to be a church where we love one another as you have loved us. I pray that this would be a church where people would belong and would feel accepted for who they are and not some pretended self, but for their authentic self. Lord, that when people come into our church, they would not only belong, but that they would be celebrated and loved in a deep way. God, guide us as we think of ways that we can expand our congregational care, especially to those who are in the last, maybe, chapter of their lives. Lord, may we be faithful to them as they have been faithful to us. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's go ahead and